Welcome to track number one of Make Yourself a Savior of Men. It's wonderful to be here. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Bless us mightily in our time here together. We are thankful that you have made it possible. Bless our hearts and transform our lives totally. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. I don't know whether these people don't want to come nearer. Like if they turn like this. Maybe, yeah. Like if you came here. Hallelujah. Don't, don't squeeze too much. That's the line. Don't squeeze too much. Ob- Obadiah chapter 1. Obadiah, please. Hallelujah. Obadiah. Have you found Obadiah? Yes. Verse 17. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, because there was going to be a judgment on the house of Esau. So stubble is like dust. And they shall kindle in them and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau for the Lord has spoken it and they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau and they of the plain the Philistines and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria and Benjamin shall possess Gilead and the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites even unto Zarephath and the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. Verse 21. And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion 
to judge the mount of Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So the scripture says, saviors shall come up on Mount Zion. Not a savior. Saviors. A lot of saviors are going to come on Mount Zion. And they are going to judge the Mount of Esau. They're going to bring judgment unto Esau. Are you there? Amen. Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 14. It says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, and lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. All right? Lest there be any fornicator or Profane person as Esau. All right? Okay? Profane person as Esau. Who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright? For you know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Amen. Amen. Now, the person we are seeing, if you can go back to Obadiah verse 21. Go back to Obadiah verse 21. Now, Obadiah is going to come. It says, saviors shall come to Mount Zion. This is Obadiah the prophet. He had only one chapter of prophecy, but he's in the Bible. And the last verse of his prophecy says that saviors will come on Mount Zion. Saviors, like people who save people are going to come. To where? Where would they come to? They'll come to Mount Zion. So where is Mount Zion? Now, Mount Zion, if you don't mind going back to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Where is Mount Zion? Verse. Hebrews 12 verse 22 says, But you are come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. That is you and us, you and I, all of us Christians. 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, that is Jesus Christ, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all. We've come to God, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Okay? Now, um, look at verse 18. It says, you are not come to a mountain that cannot be touched. You, you, that is believers. You have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched or that is burning with fire like Moses and his guys did. That's not our situation. Amen? Amen. But in verse 22, it says, we have rather come to Mount Zion. So a Christian, spiritually, is at a place called Mount Zion. So what is Mount Zion? It says, we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. So, and then we have also come to the heavenly Jerusalem, not like the earthly Jerusalem, which is still there. All right, so there's a heavenly kind of Jerusalem, a spiritual Jerusalem, a spiritual Mount Zion, okay, a city of God, okay, where there are many angels, innumerable company of angels. Recently, I was in a city in South Africa, and, uh, you know, everybody in that meeting was black, but there were about five white people. They were pastors. They had come. For the meeting, after the meeting, one of the white uh, ladies spoke to um, one of the, the, our bishops after and told him that she saw many angels when I was ministering. Wow. There were so many angels in the room. And she told uh, him that he should make sure that he tells me what she saw, you know, and that um, it's not common. But it's something that was there in the room. Lord of angels. So, uh, we've come to where there are a lot of angels. And then verse 23 says, uh, verse 23 says, we've come to the general assembly of the church. So, when you come to God, you have come to a general assembly. Not UN assembly, but a general assembly of the church. Yes, General Assembly of the Church of the Firstborn. The General Assembly word is from the Bible. It's not from the United Nations. Which are written in heaven. And we have come to God. So God is here. Okay? And we have come also to the spirits of just men made perfect. You see? So there are also spirits of people who died. Sometimes present. Do you see uh, there the spirit of people? How is that possible? Because uh, when John the Baptist came, they said, uh, when Elisha came, he said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest upon him. So there are men that come are carrying a spirit of somebody. So he said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on him. But Elijah was already 
gone. Do you see? So these are all the things that are present in the church. When you come to the church, you come to Mount Zion, you come to angels, you come to God, you come to the spirits of just men made perfect. All right? This is, this is what's happening. You may not know because you can't see, but it's happening. Are you still around? Yeah. yeah. And then you come to uh, Jesus Christ. It's also present. Who is the mediator of the new covenant. Then you also come to the blood. Which is sprinkled over us. It's the blood on you that makes you qualified to be here. But you know that you are not qualified. But the sprinkled blood, it makes you qualified. And that blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. When Abel died, hmm, his, his blood spoke. What was it speaking? It was speaking or revenge. Somebody has killed me. That's why whenever someone is killed, they always look for the blood. You know, in Revelations chapter 18, the last verse, if the man can find the very last verse of chapter 18, Revelations 18, it says there was a certain woman and that woman in her was found the blood of prophets. She has made a lot of prophets fall. All right? Their lives and their ministries were destroyed by the woman. And then of Christians, she has brought a lot of people down. And then she was also responsible for all that were slain on the earth. So blood was found in her. So the blood that was found in her was also speaking and saying, avenge, man of God is down. Saints are down because of this woman. You get it? Judgment will be coming on some women's. Yeah. Back to Hebrews chapter 12. Please, are you understanding the Bible a little bit? So we have come to Mount Zion. We have come to the city of the living God. Remember what he said in 18, verse 18. I want you to understand the Bible. The Bible that you have to understand. Look at verse 18. It says, you have not come to the mountain that cannot be touched. Can you see it? Yeah, because that's where Moses went and there was earthquake, there was thunder. Everybody was afraid. And they told Moses, that's when they told Moses, you go and speak to God. And we were afraid of God. So Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments. By the time he came, they have made a calf and all that. Uh-huh. It was very frightening for them. They said, we don't want to know God. If we can know you, Moses, and you deal with God. You see? But we haven't come to such a mountain. We have come to Mount Zion. Uh, so that's where we are. We are in Mount Zion. Amen. Where we can know God for ourselves. Amen. And then in verse 23, Verse 23, Hebrews 12, verse 23. We have come to the general assembly. It's a general assembly. All believers. We are always part 
Okay, we have come to God. Then we have come to the spirits of just men made perfect. So there are certain spirits of certain people that are present. And those spirits are mantles that are on people. People that are even gone. And then those spirits are there. All right, working. And verse 24. And we have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We have come to the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel, which was saying, somebody has killed me. Oh, somebody has killed me. Please find the person and deal with the person. Okay, verse 25. Verse 25. See that you refuse him not that speaketh. Because if they did not escape, who refused the one that spoke on earth? How much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? Amen. Amen. Obadiah verse 21. Quickly, back. Please, I want us to, I want you to get Obadiah. Now, it says, Saviors shall come on Mount Zion. So, uh, you can see that Mount Zion now applies to you, isn't it? Because you are also now in Mount Zion. When you see Mount Zion in the Bible, you'll be thinking, oh, I don't know what is Mount Zion. Even when you go to Jerusalem, you know, I don't know whether uh, the church here has been to Jerusalem, but it's a good idea to go to Jerusalem. When, when When you go there, they will ask, you can ask them, where is Mount Zion? They can't actually point to where is Mount Zion. Yeah, because it's, the hills are, they don't know which one is Mount Zion. You know, it's like somewhere vague. A lot of people are not so sure where exactly they mean by Mount Zion in Jerusalem. All right? So, but in Obadiah, he says, Savior shall come to Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. Now, what are they going to do there? They are going to save you. First of all, they will be saviors. And they are going to judge the Mount of Esau. Now, what is Esau? Esau is the person who, in verse 16, the Bible warns that nobody should be like Esau. Who is Esau? He says that for a morsel of meat, all right, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, he says, a profane person who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Okay? And afterwards, when he wanted it, it was not available. Now, the word profane is the word bebelos, which means despises of sacred things. Someone who despises holy things. Now, one of the things we must not despise is the opportunity that God is giving us Amen. to be here in Italy Amen. at this time. Amen. To be alive. Amen. To be in Europe. Amen. To be well. Amen. To have strength. Amen. And to even be here. Amen. Whether you came by ship, by air, by land, by sea, you are here. So, what do we do next? You get what I'm saying? It's the main question. Yes. We are not going 
far back. Even with taxes and accounts, they only go back six years. After that, they just discount it. You get it? When they are investigating, they go up for six years, and then after that, it's considered as not, they can't even bother with it. So I don't know how many years back we want to go for your sins. You know? But we can forget about from about six years, and even I'm sure God has even discounted earlier. You will say amen to that. All right. Now, one of the wonderful things that God has given to us is that he's given us an opportunity to serve him and an opportunity to be saviors. People who save people. Yes. And no matter who you are and no matter your work, you must become a savior of men. And when you become a savior of men, it means you are showing great respect to the opportunity that God gives you. If you don't, you are despising it and you only live to regret it. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to uh, show you something. How many have heard of William Booth? William Booth. You don't know William Booth. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. William Booth, his statue is in London today. William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. His army was an army not of swords, guns, and gunpowder, but it was an army of people who saved people. It was an army of saviors. Amen. Amen. Now, William Booth had a great passion for people to be saved. Not from himself, but from God. Amen. Amen. And that passion for people to be saved is something the Holy Spirit gives to to us all for people to be saved. Now, on Sunday, one of my young guys was giving a testimony of his salvation and of how he kept moving his hostel from the, the university so that he can be alone to sleep with more girls to smoke more cigarettes, to take more drugs. And he described how one, one day when he moved, he was in a house with some people and the house was cloudy. Outside was clear, but the house was cloudy, full of smoke. You can't even see yourselves. Yes, from drugs, weed, smoking, Every bad thing, anything you can think about, they were doing it there. But each time he moved, he found a first love church there with an elder and somebody who was come and talk to him. And till he gave his life to God and 
continued to come to church. Today, he's one of the leaders in the church. So, I tell you, and he said, one day he, he was invited to the church and I preached about tithing. That day I preached about tithing. And when I did the altar call, he came forward. I remember the day. But he said after that, he went back to his ways. So, it wasn't me, but the guys. I have some saviors, young people that are saviors of men. That kept different, they, he kept meeting saviors. <laughs> are you hearing me? I said, he kept meeting saviors. An army of saviors. Each time he moved his house. I would like you to listen this Sunday's podcast. Listen to the testimony. How many have listened to it? You don't listen much to podcasts. You need, you need to listen. If you listen to this Sunday's podcast, you hear the testimony of those guys. Okay? But it's a pure salvation. How lives change. Maybe they would have been dead by now. Yeah. How many feel that you could have been dead? Huh. Yeah. But Jesus has saved you. And Jesus wants to use you. Amen. 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 And actually, I am here to give you a job. Yes. I'm here to give you a job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here to give you a job. What Italian government cannot do for you, I'm here to do it. I'm here to make you into saviors of men. Hallelujah. Sit down. Now, I want to read to you a vision of William Booth, who was this famous. When you come to London, you can go and look at his statue there. I want to read to you a vision that he had. And the main thing is the last thing that Jesus told him before the vision ended. Are you interested? Yes! All right. Now, he says, I had a very curious vision of heaven the other day and I have been perplexed as to whether I should tell it to my friends or not. You get it? And um, in my vision, I saw that uh, I had a home, I had friends, I had all that was necessary for happiness, I was a Christian, most of my intimate friends were the same, we visited each other's houses and were interested in each other's amusements, business engagements, political opinions, and many other things in his vision. Then he said, we bought and sold and married and gave in marriage. In short, we acted as though the world was going to last forever. 
I thought also I took some active part in the church I belonged. And in the vision, I held a prominent position to the financial management and occupied myself zealously in teaching Bible truths to the children. In fact, he said, I considered myself a shining light in the church. (laughs) In all this, I was quite sincere. And I had no notion of playing the hypocrite. In other words, I never thought that I was a hypocrite. It is true I did not stop to think what Christianity really was, although I talk about it freely and pitied people who did not profess it. But I seldom considered the claims of Jesus Christ and the poor, sinning, suffering world about me. Although occasionally I heard people discussing it. But I never meditated on the sinful world that was all around me. In my vision, without warning, a dangerous fever seized me. And I went down unexpectedly. And before I knew where I was in this vision, the doctor pronounced me to be in a dangerous situation, condition. In fact, in a few hours, I was brought to the verge of death. Everyone around me was in greatest confusion, while many of those who loved me were paralyzed with despair. Then, following consultations with other medical doctors, hurrying from far, many suggestions as to the possible remedies to heal me were made, together with suggestions of how to get money, and all that proved in vain. For my own part, I did not feel any particular alarm, whether it was the suddenness of the visitation, or the nature of the disease, or the drugs they had given me, I cannot tell, but I seem to be the least disturbed person in the sickness. (laughs) Hey, are you listening? I felt as though I was in a dream. I knew I was ill, dangerously ill. For a relative insisted that I should be informed of my real condition. Yet I was not distressed by the announcement. I thought I would recover. And I thought, Even if I don't recover, what do I have to worry myself for? Was I not a Christian? Has Christ not died for me? Have I not been converted? Did I not believe in the Bible? What have I to fear? Then again, was I not always hearing hymns being sung for my comfort and prayers being Prayed for my restoration. That even if recovery could not be granted to me, it was as earnestly as that I might pass away without suffering and have a happy admission into heaven. 
Why should I be disturbed? Or you don't understand the question. Now, even if disquieting thoughts did cross my mind, I could not help questions arising as to whether I had done my duty to a perishing world with my time, influence, money, and family. So it seemed as though it were impossible to do anything different under the circumstance than to just allow things to be. How could I otherwise do otherwise with a burning fever and my brain all confused? All right. Then I readily acceded to a suggestion made by my minister. And I felt moreover that if I was not ready for the change, I had neither the thought nor the energy to begin so a serious business over again as the salvation of my soul. In other words, he was so sick that he couldn't even be thinking of his salvation. All right? Besides, how could I make a confession in the presence of my wife and children and church comrades that I had been mistaken all these years and that my life had been a failure? No, it was too late and I was too ill for such any such action. He said, I'm a personer and nothing at all. He says, it was with this very sentence on my lips, a sentence taken up and reproduced at the memorial service held the following Sunday, that a cold numbness came creeping over me and then a great difficulty in breathing happened to me. My friends were alarmed and I could see the apprehension on their faces. Some fell on their knees and broke out in prayer while others wept. And my dear ones moistened my lips and kissed my brow and spoke their last and lingering farewells to me on my bed. This is a vision. Meanwhile, A strange faintness seized me, destroying my consciousness. My next sensation was altogether beyond description. It was a thrill of a new and celestial existence. Yeah, I was in heaven. Wow. (laughs) are you interested in this vision now after the first feeling of surprise occasioned by this sudden translation had subsided I look around me to take in the situation it was delightful beyond anything on earth And some of the more beautiful sounds and feelings and scenes of the world that I had just left appeared to be reproduced in heaven in my new experience. 
So that he was still having some sounds and feelings in heaven, but in a new way. And still I'm constrained to say that no human eye ever beheld such beauty. No earthly ear ever heard such music. Above me was the blue skies, the loveliest of blue skies. And around me was an atmosphere so balmy that it made my whole physical frame vibrate with pleasure. Do you remember it says, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yeah. By the bank of roses on which I found myself reposing. He was on a bank of roses. There flowed the clearest and purest of rivers which seemed to dance with delight to the memories of its own waters. The trees that grew on its bank were covered with the greenest foliage and laden with the most delicious fruit, sweet to my taste beyond all earthly sweetness. And by lifting my hand, I could pluck and eat the fruit to my heart's delight. In every direction, above and around, the air was not only laden with the richest of odors, yielded by the loveliest of flowers, but also the air was rendered vocal with sweetest sounds and filled with fairest forms. Floating around me were beautiful beings. I felt by instinct that they were angels and archangels. Seraphims and cherubims and cherubs. Together with the blood washed and perfected saints who had come from the world below. Sometimes they came near and sometimes they went far. The blue sky appeared at times to be full of white winged, happy, worshipping, joyous beings. While the whole country, apparently of limitless extent, seemed to be filled with a blissful ecstasy that could only be realized by the one experiencing it. My sensations perhaps be imagined. At first I was swallowed up with a sort of rapturous intoxication which was immensely enhanced by the blessed consciousness that I was securely landed in heaven. I had securely landed in heaven. And that I was safe and I would suffer no more. Suddenly, (laughs) a set of new feelings began to creep over me. Marvelous as it may appear, I felt somewhat solitary or I felt alone and a little sad even in the midst of this infinitude of felicity. For up to this moment, I was alone. Not one of the happy beings who were soaring and singing in the bright ether above me, all right, had as yet approached me 
or spoken to me because nobody has spoken to him since he was just smelling things taking fruits enjoying things but none of the beings had spoken to him up to then so he started to feel lonely in heaven hey Are you still around? Yes. Then he said, I, I was alone in heaven. And then in a still further and more mysterious way, I felt myself in myself, I felt in myself a sort of unfitness. Like I'm not fit for the society or the fellowship of these pure beings who were sailing about me in indescribable loveliness. And yet I thought, how can this be? Have I come here by mistake? Or had I come there uninvited? Was I not counted worthy of being a partaker of this glorious inheritance? I was bewildered. It was indeed a mystery. My thoughts went back to earth. And it was as though an, by an angel's hand, the history of my past life was rolled before my eyes. Hey, what a record it was. At the first glance, I seemed to be able to take in the substance and meaning of my entire earthly career. Becoming at the same time strangely consciousness, conscious of a marvelous quickening of my intellectual powers. Realizing that in a moment I could take in what would have required me a day to understand in my, when I was on earth in my poor darkened faculties. With my quickened mind, I saw in this supernatural biography that it contained no record of any of my misdeeds before my conversion. So when the history was played, all the bad things he did before he was converted were they did not appear. The blood of Jesus has washed all your sins away. The blood. Yeah, see that it's, it's not finished, though. I beg you. <laughs> now, this was very gratifying, and I felt like shouting hallelujah over and over again. In fact, in fact, I made some attempts to do so. And, well, I might. Because I was delivered through the mercy of Jesus Christ from the pain of having these things eternally staring at me in the face. In this beautiful holy land where all these holy beings seem to be. Nevertheless, a second glance at my role of my history eh, appalled me. For while the evil things I had done were omitted, it revealed the kind of life required from me by the light I had enjoyed 
and from the opportunities with which I had been favored. Yea, the, the revelation went much deeper. For it described in detail the objects that had influenced me during my earthly career. It set forth the purpose for which my thoughts and feelings and activities had been mainly spent. Like, what was the things I had mainly used my life and my time to do? My money, my influence, and all the other talents which God had entrusted me to use for his glory and for the salvation of men. Every chapter of this role carried back my thoughts to the condition of the world I had left. And while I mused on it, there came up before my eyes such a graphic picture of the world's hatred of God. It's rejection of Christ. It's terrible wickedness with all the wretchedness, destitutions, and abominations flowing out of this state of things. And as this part of the vision passed before my wandering eyes, there came a hurricane of cursing and blasphemy and wild wills of anguish and woe as almost stunned me. I had often seen these things on earth, but I had hidden myself from them. They blinded and stupefied me, for they appeared to indicate a condition a million times blacker, wretched, piteous, than when they had seen on earth. So I felt like putting my hands before my eyes and my fingers in my ears to shut out this hideous apparition out of my sight and hearing. So intensely real, and present did they seem. They wrung my soul with such sorrow and self-reproach. And the role of memory, which I had just glanced, showed me how I had occupied myself during the few years. I had been allowed to live in the midst of miseries after Jesus Christ had called me to be his soldier and fight for him. You see, your past sins are forgiven. But... After you know Jesus Christ and the light which you know, for you to be a part of this church and to hear the things you are hearing, when most of the churches are not preaching about the gospel and the salvation of men, and you know it, and you are hearing it, never think that it will, you will be free for not listening. To the responsibility which is on all of us here in Italy. Never think that you are going to go free. No. You, you'll be required. You should have rather been in another church. Even if it would have been, your judgment would have been better if you had been in another church. Because you can claim that your pastors didn't mention anything about being saviors of people. You shouldn't have come to this camp because. After saying, make yourself a savior of men, you can never go to heaven and just have a walkthrough when they'll say, okay, 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 come. You know, when the Second World War was over, they arrested all the German soldiers and officers and the people who killed people and they tried them in, in, uh, in Nuremberg. And their main defense was that they were following instructions. They were following orders. And yeah. if you are a soldier, you are told, do this, do this, kill these people, do this, do this. 
They were following orders. That was the main defense. And it worked for some of them to get them out because in the army and so on, you are following instructions. And they were saying that they sh- there are some instructions they shouldn't have followed like that. But it was the main defense. So even one of the guys, the main architect who worked for Hitler for many years, Albert Speer, he was, he, was, he was actually only given something like 20 years in prison. He came out. He served the 20 years and came out of the prison. So, yes, there is some extent to which you can say, I was told to do this and I was told to do this. That's why I did. So, like, if you are not in this church, you know, you're, oh, we were only told to prosper. We were only told to prosper. So you can use it as a defense when you go to heaven. That we were told to prosper. We were told to get money. We were told to make it in life and all that. So you should have rather gone to one of those churches. Uh-huh. You get what I'm saying? Where they only tell you to prosper. But as you've come here, where we are telling you <laughs> to make yourself a savior of men. You get it? You can never use that as an argument when you get to heaven and say that you didn't know and it wasn't you were not giving such instructions. I hope you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I don't know whether you want to join another church now where they will not say such things. Maybe they will only tell you to prosper and to be rich. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> Too late. You, you, you want to stay in the church. Well, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, so. Okay. All right, let's continue. Now, I was reminded how instead of fighting his battles and saving souls by bringing them to his feet, and so preparing them for admission to this lovely place. I had been intent on earthly things, selfishly seeking my own carnal interests, worried about my own personal cares and anxieties, and spending my life in practical unbelief, disloyalty, and disobedience to all my most sacred obligations. I must say again, I felt horror-stricken. If only at that moment I could have crept out of that land of pure delight about which I had sung so many songs in the past in the world I just left so that I might spend another, spend another lifetime fighting for the Lord. Huh? How gladly I would have done so. But that could not be. I was in a fixture. I was in heaven. Heaven must be my abode forever. Hey! Contradictory as it may seem, this thought, the thought that I, I'm, in, I'm in heaven and I cannot come back to earth, filled my soul with unutterable regret. Then another thought, wilder than all my other thoughts I had, came to me. You must not forget, it's a vision. The thought was this Would it be possible for me to obtain a commission? Or rather, a permission to go back to the world, to that very path from where I had come, clothed in some form of human form, and live my life over again, 
and live it in a manner worthy of my profession, my Christ and my opportunity. Could this be possible? He was wondering if he can get a type of commission. Meanwhile, we already have the great commission and you are, you are in heaven trying to see if you maybe get a commission or a permission. He said that thought that he's going to be in heaven forever disturbed him. Yes. Yeah. The thought that he's here forever he said it disturbed him. And a wild thought came to him. Can I get from heaven a commission? Or a permission? Or be commissioned to go? Wow! People are in heaven praying for a commission. Whilst we are here and we have a commission. Hey! Mm. Amazing. Sit down. This is an amazing vision, I tell you. At that moment, if I had been given the answer yes, I would have willingly forfeited all my heavenly blessedness and undergone ages of hardship, ignominy, poverty, and pain. I would have given a million of money. In fact, I would have given the whole world had it been mine to give. But I could see no hope of such a second probation. What was to be done? I had not been thinking about this for many seconds. Eh? when as quick as lightning one of the bright inhabitants of heaven floated and descended and stood in front of me to my amazement and stood before my astonished gaze I can never forget the feelings which this thing inspired in me. The, the shape and features of this noble form I cannot forget. He was at the same time human and then also angelic. He was earthly and yet celestial. Then I discerned that he was one of the blood-washed multitude who had come out of the great tribulations of the earth. I had, I judged that he was a man. I thought that he's a man, a male. He looked at me and I could not help but look at him. In fact, his eyes compelled me to look at him. And in doing so, I confessed to being ravished with his beauty. I could never imagine a human face looking so divine and bearing such a grand stamp of dignity and charm. But far beyond the entrancing loveliness was the expression that beamed through the eyes. Those eyes, all right, through which I could see right into the depths. I, I appeared as though he could see right into the depths of my soul. 
I don't know how I appeared to my visitor. I don't know what I looked like. <laughs> I knew not what form I was bearing, for I had not yet looked at myself in a mirror since I came. But I had a deep interest for him. An interest that seemed of a saddening nature. I felt sad. For his features appeared to be sorrowful. As I stood there with my eyes fixed on him. He spoke first. Because I could never have someone enough courage to speak to him. His voice was soft and musical. I understood him before I heard his words. You see, when you go to heaven, you can never have a marital quarrel again. You, you understand before the person speaks. You understand what is happening. The voice is like soft and musical. It's fantastic. <sighs> Amazing. Now, I, I, I didn't know what language he was speaking, but I could tell it was the universal language of heaven. Yeah. Now, he informed me that my arrival in, in heaven was known throughout a certain district of heaven. Had been, they had been informed. Yes. All those who had died from a certain district where I formerly resided and the tidings of my arrival had been flashed through the heavenly telephone of that particular district and my name had been whispered on every hillside and echoed in every valley and had been breathed from every tree and flower and had been sounded forth at every turn of the golden street and had been articulated in every room of every mansion and proclaimed from every tower and the pinnacle of the stupendous temple. <laughs> one, person, one person who has come to heaven. You see, it's like, it's like uh, uh, Facebook or, or WhatsApp. It's going viral. It went viral in heaven. And all who had known me on earth, who had any knowledge of my family, my opportunities for helping on the kingdom of Christ, whom they worship and adore, were burning to see me, to hear me tell of my victories, which I had won, and then the souls whom I had blessed whilst on earth. And all were especially anxious to hear if I had been the means of bringing salvation to their relatives. That's the, the news that had gone. Everybody wanted to know about their people. Yeah. All this was poured into my soul by my visitor and I did not know which way to look. Again, I remembered my life of ease and comfort in Italy. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. What could I say? How could I appear with the record of my life before these waiting spirits? 
What was there in it than a long drawn story of self gratification? I had no matter experiences to recount. I had sacrificed nothing for his dear sake. Worth naming on earth, much less worthy of being published in heaven. As my mind was running in, in this direction, when I think my visitor must have discerned what I was speaking and seeing that he spoke again, he, I could see that he felt some pity. He said, to him, he said to me, where you find yourself is not uh, actually heaven, but only one of its four courts. Presently, the Lord himself with a procession of chosen ones will soon come to take you into the city itself where you will reside if he deems you worthy. That is, if your service on the battlefield below has pleased him. Yes. So he said that where you are is in the forecourt. And the Lord himself is going to come to take you in. And he's going to take you in if he feels your work on the battlefield below pleases please him. So you see, we are on the battlefield and they are watching us to see whether what we are doing pleases him. Are you listening? Amazing, isn't it? It's fantastic, isn't it? It's fantastic. It's supernatural. Okay, sit down. I'm, I'm continuing. Now, meanwhile, the guy said, I have obtained permission to come and speak to you concerning a soul who I understand lives near your late residence. <laughs> I have obtained permission to come and discuss with you a soul who lives near your late residence. I don't know which souls are living near your current residence. There are more than 1,000 people that should have been here at this camp. Yes. Italian members who could have been here. I'm telling you, if you were to make yourself a savior of men. I'm telling you. You see, almost everything has an element of deception in it. When you see the church looking large or full, it's very deceptive. You think that, oh, it's okay. But it's not okay. I I am telling you, there are more than 1,000 people who would have been here if you were making yourself a savior of men. Remember Obadiah 21? He says, Saviors shall come on Mount Zion. Saviors, plural. 
not the savior, saviors, saviors of men. People who save men. Yeah. No matter your situation. This is the message to all. It's not to some. Every one of us who calls ourselves saved, we are saved for a reason. You would have been dead. There are your friends who are dead already. And for a reason, you are still here. You could have died. All of us could have died long time. There are, I can mention, I mean, 10 things that would have can kill you could have killed you earlier. And even some of you have experienced something that could have killed you and you saw this thing can kill me and they didn't kill you. That, that's what we call near death. But apart from the near death, there are many things that if you provoke me, I can mention you'll be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. And you see that all these things could kill you all the time. Yes. So if you are alive and if you are here, I'm telling you that there are people whom if you were to minister to would be here. But you see, most of us have left that job to evangelists, uh, pastors, and people we see as serious Christians. But I tell you, that is your job. And that is what's going to change your life. See, what, what people don't realize is that when Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 32, Matthew 6 verse 32, if you don't mind putting Matthew, Matthew 6, 32, he says, all these things do the Gentiles seek. You see, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is not only in the fact that you have said the sinner's prayer. But a number of things make you different from an unbeliever. One of them is what you seek. What you seek is one of the differences. You see, there are a number of things that should make you different or peculiar to Christianity. One of them is that you have said the sinner's prayer and given your life to Jesus. But Another thing is what you seek. This is, this is where the difference starts. And the Bible says, the, after these things do the Gentiles seek, money, prosperity, uh, houses, cars, papers, me, I've never worked for money. Oh yes, I've never, it has never even been an aim. For all through my life, I, I mean, it has, even in school, I've just never had that aim. God has saved me from ever having such an aim for my life. To have an aim to be rich, to get money from people, to get money from what I'm doing, from the work. It has never been my aim. So that, that's the mark that differentiates. If God looks straight into your heart, he says, is there a heart of a Christian or a heart of a Gentile, or a heart of an unbeliever, that is the thing you see in the heart. You see, you can never know somebody till you know his heart. 
You can say, I know, I know what you eat. I know you. Somebody, somebody was talking. Said, oh, I see that you like chicken. He said, you don't know anything about the person. So I see that you like chicken. You like food. You like shrimp. You, like, you don't know nothing. You don't know NATO. I know you like chicken, you like this. You know NATO. Until you know somebody's heart, you don't know the person. True. Until you know the heart of a person, you don't know the person. You think you know, but you don't know the person. And God looks straight to your heart. God is not, God is not like these people who beloved those based on what you look like. Looking at hips and thighs. No way! God is far wiser than that. And to be looking at your thighs, your hips, and whatever else, whatever you are holding. No way! It's looking beyond, straight into your heart. Yeah. You know, when I was flying in, today I got to the airport, and I put my bag there. And I was about to take out my iPad. I said, no, no, don't take out. Don't take anything out. I said, why? Then the, the lady, I forget it, she made a joke. I said, no, don't, don't, don't take out any, nothing, nothing. I said, why? She laughed. She said, oh, new machines. We have new machines. You don't have to take anything out. Yeah. Yeah, no nothing. Don't take no NATO out. Because we are trying to get nearer to like how God can see all the way through. Yeah. See how God, God, God sees all the way. God doesn't, God doesn't need you to take off your shirt or to see whether you eat chicken or not. He's looking, he's looking straight to your heart. Let me take no NATO out. He can see right through. He's saying through. And this is the distinction between Christians and non-Christians. Straight at your heart. Not when I eat chicken. Christians eat chicken. Non-Christians eat chicken. That's not what, that's not what can do. That's not what can do, distinguish you. Christians who sleep. Christians, non-Christians who also sleep. The distinction is right there in the heart. All right. Okay, sit down. Now, is the room hot or I'm imagining it? Is that something we are doing wrong? Can we open a window? Can we cool it down? Okay, now Christians feel hot, non-Christians feel hot. Yeah. That, that, is, that, is not, that is not where you see the difference. Yes. You see the difference in the heart of the people. Yeah, it's one of the clear marks 
of difference. Amen? Yes. Are you here or you are leaving? Yes. Yeah. Now, back to the guy. He's now talking to the guy who's come to see him in heaven. Now, he says, the Lord is going to come and he will take you if he feels that your service on the battlefield below has pleased him. Meanwhile, I am here to have obtained permission to speak to you concerning a soul whom I understand lives near your late residence and in whom I feel a deep interest. Then the guy continued. He says, our knowledge of the transactions of earth is for our own sakes very limited. Now and then we are permitted to get a glimpse of what is passing there. Then he spoke to him. He says, can you Looking at me with an unspeakable longing. Tell me anything about my son. He was my only son. I loved him dearly. In fact, I loved him too much. I spoiled him when he was a child. He had his own way. He grew up willful, passionate, and disobedient. My example did not help him. Then he said, I myself, through the instrumentality of the Salvation Army, was rescued from a life of sin and shame. Washed, regenerated, and taught to fight for souls. And I had the privilege of winning many to the bloodstained banner of the cross. But an accident, however, suddenly overtook me at my employment. And as suddenly swung me into heaven. The guy was explaining how he came to heaven. To the guy that he, he was saved but he had an accident at work. And he was moving to heaven to his surprise. Then he continued, where is my boy? Oh, give me some tidings of my boy. He lived near you. I believe. He had business dealings with you. Is he saved? What did you do for him? Is there any hope? Tell me what his feelings to my Lord were when you last spoke to him. He ceased speaking and my heart sank within me. What could I say? I knew the boy. The story of the father's death and his prodigal son had been told me and yet I had never addressed one serious word to the young man about his soul or about his savior. I had been busy with other things. And now what could I say to his father as he stood there before me? I was dumb. The cloud I had noticed before gathered again on, my, on the face of my visitor. Only with a darker shadow this time. He must have guessed. He looked at me with a glance that expressed the disappointment to himself and the pity he felt for me. Then he turned from me. And suddenly spreading forth his white wings, he soared away out of my sight. I was so intensely, intently gazing on the receding form of my visitor that I failed to notice a second guy had occupied his place. I turned and looked on the newcomer. It was a spirit of the same order. There was the same dignity, the same marvelous expression of inward power and purity. But in his case, 
these graces were combined with a beauty of a more delicate and enthralling mold. Divinely fair as I thought my first visitor, more beautiful than any conception or dream of earth could be. Yet there was a beauty that surpassed it. My former visitor looked like a man, but this one was a woman. I had once on earth wished I could look upon Eve in the hour when she was young and pure and beautiful and when she came from the hands of her maker and I'd imagined something like how her lovely figure would have been on that bridal morning. (laughs) Now here as I saw Eve reproduced before my eyes clothed in immortal youth as pure as beautiful name more so than her first mother could have been. Was this not the divine master's finished workmanship? Anyway, as soon as I was waking from my thoughts by the voice of this fair creature who from her manner evidently wished to speak to me about something. She introduced herself somewhat after the fashion of my previous interrogator and she too had come from the very same neighborhood where I had lived so long. She told me her name. I had heard it before. She was a widow who had struggled with great difficulties. Her husband's death had been her life. Converted at his grave, she had given herself up unreservedly to fight for the Lord. Her children had been her first care and they had all been converted and entered into the battlefield except one. That unsaved one was a girl who had been her mother's delight. She had grown up lovely in form, the village pride, but alas, she had gone astray. It was the old story of seduction and cruel abandonment. The mention of that name brought another sadness over her lovely face. I listened to the story as it came from this mother's heart. I had heard something of this painful incident when on earth. But I turned my ear from it as being of no concern of mine. Little did I think it would, I would ever be confronted with it in heaven. You see, there are things you cannot believe you'll be confronted with in heaven. Hey! People you sat by, you never spoke to them. People, when you open your door, here is another door to somebody's flat, and you never knock and say, Jesus loves you. I want to talk to you about Jesus. People you have condemned as you see them, you are saying, you, I am bad, but you are badder. As I have scarcely made it into heaven, you dear, you can never come. Because you, you dear, Charlie, Charlie, you are, you are bad, like bad dear, you are bad, like I'm bad, but you are the baddest. How, how many have felt some people are badder than you? How many have felt that it's like you are lucky to be saved, but that guy, I don't think he can make it. But I tell you, there is no one who cannot be saved. Jesus can save them. And you know, being in the first love church and hearing the young people give their testimonies every week of salvation. It it gives me such faith in the power of salvation and changing lives 
the power of a great change through the Holy Ghost and through people persistently talking. I realized that, you know, that conversion takes sometimes like a repeated effort. And the same person who looks very hard softens and softens and softens. And then the permanent change comes about. Yes. You know, one day I, a, a pastor told me that uh, a certain man from a certain country who names, whose name begins with a certain alphabet. Yes. Came to his office. And this man had been in a war and had killed people. A lot of people. And he said that when the man was describing the things he had done, he wanted the man to get out of his office. Yes. And actually, me too, when I met this same fellow and he was telling me what he was doing, I was thinking that the blood of Jesus is being misused. (laughs) Yes. The the blood of Jesus is being misused. (laughs) Like, the badness is too much. And it's a misuse of the blood of Jesus for this person to be saved. But he was saying how he was saved. Yes, he was saying how he was saved and all the things he had done. He was sitting here, I'm sitting here, and he's talking. I said, hey, are you a real human being? So I don't want you to think that the blood of Jesus is being misused. It cannot be misused. That hardened, hardcore sinner, don't look at him when you are talking. You know, one day I went to, I was going to visit somebody and I just felt in my heart, speak the word. So I memorized the whole of Lazarus and the rich man's story because the way the man was, I knew that I could not open a Bible. (laughs) But I have to quote. So I memorized the whole thing. And I revised. You see. So when I sat by him. And on his expensive cushions. In his expensive beautiful mansion. I just quoted. I said there was a certain rich man. Just like you. Hey. He was clothed in purple and fine linen. Just like you. And he died and he went to hell. Yeah, I quoted the whole thing. Yes. And, I, and I, I gave it to him. Because that was my duty. Yes. He remembers me after today. Yeah. Always. Now, this lady looked at me and said, my daughter lived near you. You know her. What have you done for her? Have you saved my child? I'm reading. Have you saved my child? Make yourself a savior of men. Have you saved my child? At this, I cried out in agony. I put my hand before my eyes. I could no longer look at her. How she continued to look on me with her powerful, 
piercing, pitying eyes, I know not. But when I withdrew my hand, she was gone. Then I, I, again, I gasped out. Oh my God, is this heaven? Will these interrogations go on forever? Will the meanness and selfishness of my past life, with all their sad consequences, from which I had hoped forever to have gotten away in this country, haunt me every day and every hour through eternity? What shall I do? Can I not go back to earth and do something to redeem myself from this wretched sense of unworthiness? Would it be possible for me to live my life over again? This question had hardly passed through my mind when another person alighted in front of me, resembling the first man. His introduction was the same, but his story was different. He had been a great sinner and had been awakened and won to Christ by the salvation army a short time back and had joined. Much forgiven, he had loved much. All his desire when on earth was to get free from the entanglements of business. He was just trying to get free from the entanglements of business and devote himself as a Salvation Army officer to the work of saving men. He was trying to disconnect himself from his businesses and his business engagements. When he was just about to realize his wish, he had been sent for from heaven. When he was just about to finish disentangling himself from his business, they sent for him. Said, ah, we need you. And he was a spirit of glory and joy coming to inquire from me concerning his other companions. He said, did you know my old, you know, workers, co-workers in the Salvation Army? Their hall was close to my house of business. He asked me, have I done anything for his old mates who were drinking and cursing and fighting their way to hell? He had died with prayers for them on his lips. Had I done nothing, anything to stop them on their way to ruin? To all the searching appeal, what could I say? I knew them, but I had never given them a word of encouragement. I knew the hovels in which his old mates lived and the drinking saloons in which they spent their money. But I had been too busy or too proud or too shamefaced to seek them out with the tidings of the Savior's love. Again, I was speechless. He guessed my feelings. And left in sadness. Ah, for myself, I was in anguish, strange as it may appear. Considering I was in heaven. I was sad, though, but I'm in heaven. It was so that whilst I was standing there, there was no comfort for me that I saw a marvelous phenomenon on the distant horizon. All that part of heaven seemed to be filled with a bright, brilliant light. Here was a brilliance far surpassing anything that can be imagined. And I was looking with indescribable delight and wondered what it meant. So I moved a little closer. Now I could hear the sound of music. The sound came nearer. The music was beyond such music I'd ever heard before. Gradually, the rapturous hosts drew near. And rapidly, I might have said, all right, at length, I was able to comprehend the marvelous sight that approached me. Who could describe it? The whole firmament was filled with, an innumerable, with innumerable forms of beauty and dignity. Here, evidently, was a representative portion of the aristocracy of heaven accompanying its king. There was a host coming with the king. You will see the king. 
Here evidently was a representative portion of the aristocracy of heaven representing his king. Wow. Wow. And uh, who, as my first visitor had informed me, was coming to welcome me into the heaven of heavens. Those who had fought a good fight and who had kept their faith. I stood transfixed in with awe and wonder. Was I actually going to see my Lord and be welcomed by him? In the thought of this rapture, I forgot the sorrow that only a moment before had been in my heart. Now the procession was upon me. Hey. As the procession came and it neared me, I fell prostrate, prostrate before it. What wonderful beings these heavenly spirits appeared. Each one looked in himself to my poor untutored eyes like a god. Huh? Everybody looked like a god. Rank after rank passed by me. Each spirit turning his eye upon me or seeming to do so. And to everyone, I could not help feeling that I was an object of pity. Mercy. I was a what? An object of pity. Ah, perhaps it was my own feelings that made me imagine this. But it certainly appeared to me as though these noble beings regarded me as a cowardly soul who had only cared for my own interests on earth and had only been induced to come up there from similar selfish motives. Thousands passed by me. All these mighty hosts were praising God, either in hymns or expressive of adoration and worship. Wow. wow. Now, the procession halted, and at the word of command, an instant formed up in three sides of a square in front of me, and the king was standing in the center immediately pointed to the spot where I had prostrated myself. He was lying there. The king pointed. Mercy. Hey, are you ready to meet Jesus? Hmm. What a sight that was. It was worth toiling and each gazing upon him. Alright? And I beheld the celestial form of the God-man. Who once died for me upon the cross. Yes. He says I beheld the celestial form of the God man. Who once died for me on the cross. That's Jesus. What a sight that was. Hallelujah. Next. To these. Were these. uh Nearest to the king were the patriarchs and apostles of ancient times. Patriarchs and apostles. Do you know who are patriarchs and apostles? Huh? Yeah. Mercy. Next to these, rank after rank, holy martyrs who had died for him. Then followed the army of warriors who fought for him in every part of the world. Around, about, above, below. There were myriads of spirits redeemed from the earth. 
who although never heard of outside their neighborhood or beyond their time, had with self-denying zeal and untiring toil labored to extend God's kingdom and to save the souls of men. The encircling the, go- the gorgeous scene was an innumerable host of angelic beings who had kept their first estate. Proud it seemed to be to me to minister to the happiness and exaltation of the soldier saints who had faithfully lived for their Lord in the poor world from whence I came. I was bewildered by the spectacle. All at once, I, however, recollected myself and bethought of me of the high presence before whom I was bowed. It was not pain, yet it was not pleasure. It was not anger. It was not approval. All right? I felt that in that countenance, so transcendentally admirable and glorious, there was yet no welcome for me. Huh? Are you ready to go to heaven and they'll say there's no welcome for you here? Now listen, it's almost, we're almost at the end of it. Listen to this end part. He said, now this Jesus spoke to him. He said, you will find little in yourself in harmony with these ones. There's little to compare you with these people who are all around me. Yeah. We are not like them. Mercy. These are now partakers of my glory who counted not their lives dear unto them that they might bring honor to me and salvation to men. And as he spoke, he waved his hand and gave a look of loving admiration of the hosts of apostles and, and martyrs that were gathered and warriors that were gathered around him. Oh, that look of Jesus. I felt it to be worth dying a hundred deaths or being torn asunder by wild beasts to gain one such loving recognition. The angel as God felt it too. Then the king turned his eyes on me. Oh, I wish that some mountain would fall on me and hide me forever from his presence. But I wished in vain. Some invisible and irresistible force compelled me to look up and his eyes met, my eyes met his eyes. Kaba shakayaba. Then he said, they said, I felt rather than heard, I felt him say to me, are you listening to this part? This is the, this is the, I'm reading the last sentence and then that's the end of this vision. And that, that's what I want you to hear. He says, he spoke to me. He said, I felt him say to me. Hmm? In words that themselves in living fire upon my excited brain, he said, go back to earth. You shall have another opportunity and listen, I'm reading the last sentence. And if you prove yourself worthy of my name and show to the world that you possess my spirit, listen to this, by doing my work and making yourself a savior of men, you shall return hither and I will give you a place in my conquering train and a share in my everlasting glory. 
He said, I'm giving you a chance. If you prove yourself worthy by doing my work and making yourself a savior of man. Make yourself a savior of man. That is where this theme is from. It's from William Booth. Make yourself a savior of men. Yes. Making yourself a savior of men. Yes. I'm giving you a second chance. And that was the end of his vision. Yes. And that's the same thing I came to share with you. Yes. You don't need to die and be asking for permission or a commission. I, 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 was, I was shocked by that part. He was asking if he can be given a commission. Hey, when the commission is there. Is it not amazing? We want to be given a commission. When there is already a commission. And he said, if you prove yourself by going back to the earth and doing my work, two things, doing my work and making yourself a savior of men. There can be 1,000 people from Italy. I don't mean Germany. I don't mean Spain. I don't mean anywhere. I say Italy. 1,000 people here. Saved by your Work. I'm giving you, I came to give you employment. This one, you don't need any paper or any card to do this work. This is the work. Yes. Make yourself a savior of men. Yes. Make yourself a savior of men. Yeah. Because through you, I tell you, not me, you. You. Yes. You go and save men. There are people who are waiting for somebody to talk to them. But nobody talks to them. So the news talks to them. Christian Amanpour talks to them. CNN talks to them. Oprah Winfrey talks to them. Larry King talks to them. All the news people talk to them. But you never talk to them. Amen. And that is God's wish for us. You see, I I always used to see Jesus as the Savior. But I realized that through what you do, you are like a Savior. If you you help people to be saved, it's like you are are actually like a type of Savior. Yeah. Yeah. You give them life. You, You actually change them. You rescue them. You take them out of darkness. You bring them to God. A savior of men. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lift your hand and ask God to make you a savior of men.
Hallelujah. Father, we are thanking you for the blessing you have given to us at this time. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Now, Mark chapter 1. Verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison... Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And Jesus said, unto them come ye after me and I will make you to become fishers of men and straight away they forsook their nets amen, amen. straight away they forsook their nets and followed him amen, amen. now this is the call of God. God does not call you to become a millionaire. You see, there is something far greater and far higher than being a millionaire. You get it? Far higher and greater than having this world's riches. Far. You see, the riches of this world are in themselves a delusion and a phantom and a fantasy. And those of you who have come to Europe, you know it more than I know it. Because even though it is euros that are floating around here and not the currency from wherever you came from. It's not as straightforward to lay hold on it as perhaps you thought when you were coming. In fact, for some of us, it has been more of a degrading experience to come here. You are lower than even when you were coming. True or not true? Yeah. 
some have been made to become prostitutes. Some have been made to become homosexuals. Some have been made to do drugs. Some have been made to do things that you cannot repeat. You fear to say ever what you have been through and what you have done to be here. Listen. Riches and money is one of the most deceptive targets to ever lay your eyes on. That's why Jesus said that when someone is called, then the deceitfulness of riches, which means that riches have in them deceit, and it's full of it. It leads you, it makes you run, it makes you go, it makes you bow, it makes you do this, makes you do that, and it's all not true. For those who have even attained it, and those who didn't attain it, it's one of the worst targets a person can ever give for himself in this world, is to follow money. It's one of the most useless, and I insult that as a target because it is the opposite to serving God. It is not, don't think of Satan, think of money. Because Jesus said, you cannot serve God or mammon. It didn't say you cannot serve God or Satan. So the challenger to God is not Satan per se. But mammon. So it means that mom, and we know that the real challenger to God, the real rebel against God is Satan. So it means that Satan has inhabited money in a very wild way, so much so that even Satan's name is not mentioned. You just mentioned the covering of Satan. It's almost as if Satan wears euros and dollars and moves around. And says, follow me. Bow, do this, do this, do this, do this. And he's clothed in a kind of dollar, euro, pounds, Swiss franc type of kinted dress. Do you know what is kente? Ashanti kente. In material. You know, you can find it. It's on the internet. You see Kente dress. Yeah. You see different, different colors. So, God doesn't, Jesus didn't even bother to mention Satan. He just, he just used what he wears and uses. is a more deceptive covering and can keep people running all their life till they die. I tell you, it's a very, if you don't see it earlier, you follow it uh, it's something most people don't see early. When they see, it's over. <laughs> you know, one day, I know a man, he had three children, at least about three children. And um, when he was dying in the hospital, his other two children were not around. But his one, one of his three children was there with him. So he was dying in the hospital. Then he called his son, come. And he told his son, you know, there are three of you. 
and he told his son a secret. He said, you chose the right job. Because his son was a pastor. But the other, the other one was a doctor and the other one was a lawyer. <laughs> and he told, he told the, this somebody who had worked in the United Nations, he traveled all over the country, was a diplomat, worked all over. In fact, when he died, the speeches about he's been here, he's been here, he's been here, he's been here. None of all the speeches that he made, the, the, the secret he called is, you chose the right job. Wow. These were his last words. <laughs> but it is not something people see early. Yeah. So all your decisions are misled, misdirected by that thing. Is the number one spoiler of lives. Yes. Yes. That's goal. Yes. The number one spoiler of lives. Christians, every all of us, all money. Spoiler of churches, spoiler of lives, spoiler. Of, that's why Jesus didn't bother. So uh, you cannot serve God or serve Satan. No. He said, You cannot serve God or money. Haven't you thought about it? Why didn't Jesus say, We cannot serve God or the devil? We all know Lucifer, Satan, that old dragon, the one who came to tempt Jesus. And never mention his name. He said, You just think of money. You, don't, you cannot imagine who is Satan. Just money is enough for you to know what you are dealing with. <laughs> it's the spoiler of people's lives, spoiler of people's call, destroyer of people's lives. It's like it's like Eve. You see, even although Eve is really the cause of where we are, yes, but it's hidden. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you can't see that it's she who did it. That she's the one who brought all these things about. Yeah, she brought us here. That's why Abraham, a prophet, many years ago, he said, anytime you see a coffin going down the road, it's caused by a woman. That all the, and you see Revelations 18, the last verse, it said, in her was found the blood of all that were slain on this earth. All the people who died were found in a woman. And when somebody died, they always look for the blood, the murder weapon and the blood. Yes. Where you find the blood, you know this, you are guilty. All the people who have ever died on earth is found in a woman. But it's sort of hidden. So even though she's the cause, she's usually hidden. And like in many marital situations, the obvious culprit is the man. But it can never be because a woman is Equally a human being. Equally. Equal. So at least half of the problems would come from her. But you, it, it's, veiled. it's veiled. Because a, a, a woman, even to a woman, a woman looks nice. Like, like ladies look at this. Oh, she's really nice. She's really gentle. She's really beautiful. She's really nice. Not, not like it's a man who is admiring. But even a girl sees another girl and says, oh, She's nice. So, so, but you don't see that about the boys. They look bony. They look hard. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't look nice. You know what I'm saying? Yes. 
So it is difficult to believe or even to think. No, I mean, I'm saying that just even to think that something bad is coming from this person. If you are not experienced, you, 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 it, it, the thought cannot even come into your mind. And even if somebody tells you, you will not even easily believe it. Yeah. So that is why on Father's Day, men are rebuked for irresponsibility, for caring, not caring about their children, not looking after whatever. And Mother's Day is used to praise women and praise them for all that they've done and how they have done everything. It's just, it's just the way it is. And I'm trying to say that money is like that too. Money is not called the devil. I don't know why Jesus didn't call, say the devil is the enemy of God. So money is like a veiled enemy. Yeah. But it's actually an enemy in disguise who is around and guiding and misguiding everything that we are doing. Amazing. Yeah. It's a spoiler, but it's a hidden spoiler. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just like they say that behind every great man is a great woman. But actually, behind many great men is a troublesome woman. It's hidden. It's hidden. It's hidden. Behind many great men is a troublesome woman. But you, you see, nobody says that one. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a veiled evil. Do you understand when I say veiled? It's like there's a curtain around it. It's not easy to see through. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not saying that a woman is Better than a man. I'm saying at least half. We are all just human beings. Don't, don't try to give us 90% of them. And then you are just taking 5 to 5 to 6%. At least half. Just at least. I don't want to go further than that. But if, if you provoke me, if you push me, I'll show you that it's not even half. It's more than half. Kabayaba Shakaba. Yes. Now, sit down. Now, just as a woman can be a veiled evil, money is a very veiled evil. You see, very, very veiled. It's a covered evil. In fact, some years ago, I made a statement when I was preaching. And I said, 
But since I made that statement, I, I didn't intend to make the statement. And I was a bit worried that I had made that statement. But later on, I thought about it. And I thought maybe the Holy Spirit had made me make that statement. So I shouldn't change it. <laughs> yeah. And the statement that I made was that to aim to be rich is a very bad aim. It's a bad vision to, 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 be, to aim to be rich. It's a bad, it's a, it's a negative and evil vision. And it is true. To be rich, to have money, is the motive that has driven the whole world. You know, one day I went to a mine. How many have been underground before in a mine? I went to a mine in Johannesburg. You know, we descended. And the lights they use are this small, like a one bulb, little bulb like that. And as you are going down, it goes dark and hot. We descended, we descended, we descended. And then when we were down, then we were walking in a tunnel. And you go dark and you see it. And I thought that something has made people dig a hole <laughs> and go down there for years. Huh? Yes. To search for this thing, which is a type of soil, yellow sand. Deep. If you go to Ashanti Goldfield Mines, they drive the huge caterpillars underground. There is a road under, wide, and they drive underground for miles. It's amazing for money. Diamond mines in Sierra Leone, they, they connect a, a pipe, a water hose, like what water hose are used to sprinkle. They connect it to the guy's mouth. Eh? And then the water is brown. When I say brown, like muddy, murky, brown clay water. Then he goes under and uses the water hose to breathe and will be under for about 30 minutes inside the black, the, the black water, the brown water, down, feeling for diamonds. It's not a small thing. Yes, it has destroyed Maybe, but you see, it's, it's a veiled and covered evil. It even is presented as a good thing that you should search for, get it, it will help you, it will do this, it will do this. Now, when Jesus came, he said, these are the things which the Gentiles are looking for. You, you be different. You see, so he wants to change even the vision of your life. And you have to believe it. Do you want to die before you believe? When you die, you can't believe anymore. You have to believe when you are here. Then you get your reward for believing. He came to even change the 
focused and they reached. That's why there is nothing I want to do for money. No, 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 no. That's why you rarely, you rarely see me, you rarely see me walking in certain places. Because I don't, I don't believe any, any kind of job, money related, I should do this so that if somebody will give me money, I should do this so that, no, I don't like those things. I should write books so that I get money. I beg you, please. No, 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 no. <laughs> it has made me rich. Yes. I have no value even for it. Yeah. That's why all my church members are children. They are all small, 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 19, 20, 21. I preach to them with joy, with happiness. I don't need, I don't need millionaires. I don't need millionaires to make me happy. No. No. The children that I'm preaching to and their lives, I talk to them every day. I talk to them. I meet them. I talk one, 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 one. I always, and always talking about their lives, praying for them, laying hands on them, advising them, praying for them, preaching to them. Oh, it is my joy. You can never pay me. You can never pay me. You can never pay me. (laughs) Never, never, never. Hallelujah. So, so Jesus came to redeem us from a useless pursuit. And he said that I know that you need all these things. I know it. Uh, what do you think God doesn't know? I don't know if you can imagine something God doesn't know. Huh? Huh? Your heart is beating like this. Oh, 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 oh. Since you were born. Oh, 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 oh. He knows that. If your heart says, uh, I need to rest for just two minutes, would you be happy for two minutes resting of your heart? Your heart is going to rest for two minutes. So he knows that although when you walk, your muscles feel tired, a particular muscle must never be tired. Even for one minute. So he made it. There's a special chemical reaction in your cardiac muscle. It, re, it, re, it rests in the, in the, in the uh, contraction and then the relaxation. It has its own rest built in. So it never gets, and when the child is born, it's 120. And it drops to 80. And then if you, are, uh, you, if you exercise, your heart rate is lower. So at 50, 60, your heart rate, is, even when you are active, when you are not active, your heart rate is higher. Yeah, about 80. Perfect. He knew that. Make one which doesn't rest. Then your bladder, he knows that it's not always you can wee wee. You get what I'm trying to say? He knows that what? It's not always you can move it. So, the muscles in the bladder. When I say muscles, muscles meet. Your heart is meat. Like if you slice it, you can fry You have fried meat. If you slice it and you fry, season it. You have meat. Heart meat. Yes. It's, it's all muscle. We call the ones on your 
like these ones, these ones, we call them skeletal muscles. The one in your heart, we call it cardiac muscle. The one in your bladder is bladder muscle. That one is special. When, it's, when you stretch it and it's tense, that you feel like wee-wee, and it realizes you are not going to wee-wee, it has a power to just relax like this. It relaxes at that size. And it's fantastic. It relaxes at that size. So that if it builds up again, and very tense, and you feel that you have to be with very tense, it cannot relax at that place. And that, that's how come you can stay for a long time without weaving. Yes. It's amazing. So, I'm just trying to ask you that, what do you think God doesn't know? If he made all this. Eh? Yes, 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 amazing. Your head, you see, when you knock your head like that, your brain is swimming in water. Did you know that? Yes. That's why when somebody hits your head like that, you don't just go, because it moves in the balance like that. It's moving. Yeah. Your brain is like that. It's, it's, it's inside water. Yeah, called the cerebrospinal fluid. It's there. Plenty. And when somebody has a sickness of it and it's too, it becomes too much, there's a sickness. It's called hydrocephalus or water head. Water head. The head becomes big and it's all water. It's, it's an abnormality. So God knows that occasionally you hit your head. How many have hit your head before? And you realize that you are still alive. You get what I'm saying? Clap for God. Clap for God. It's, it's very fantastic. So God knows many things. Yes. Many things. He made you say that when you eat bread, rice, potatoes, it will be digested right in your mouth. Right in your mouth. But not meat. Meat will not digest in your mouth. So the bread with the meat, when you're eating a hamburger, the machines that are going to break it down, it only takes on the bread in the mouth. Then when it gets to the stomach, it takes on the meat. Yeah. And selects only the meat. And then grinds it. Yes. And then it moves out. And it goes to other places. Round. And then when, by, the time, by the time your food goes, it is all water. Yeah. By the time your food is coming, it's water. Totally. Because your stomach, can you feel it? You see, you can't feel it, but it's doing this. It's making, it's making the food water. Yeah. So, the, that is the food that it becomes water. It's absorbed into your blood. It's all water. All your food turns into water. Like a, like a liquid. It just goes into you. And it goes around. Then, if you have been designed as a woman, there is a special chemical that will say, to the hips. To the hips. Yes. And it will send things to this side and to this side. 
and, and leave other places. Yes. It's amazing. Now, if God knows all this, huh? what do you think he doesn't know? About. He knows everything. What you need, what you will need, what you need. So he says that, that's how unbelievers are. They only follow man. So you don't think about that. And when he met these disciples, he said, follow me. I would give you a new work on earth. I'll give you a new work on earth. Different from all the works that are done. I will make you fishes of men. Or I will make you to become. So anybody can be made to become a fisher of men. If you give yourself to God. Anybody can be made to become a fisher of men. Amen. Amen. How many want to accept employment from God and from Jesus? Lift your hand and accept employment from Jesus. Father, we thank you for employment that you've given to us. Thank you for this new work. The work of being fishers of men. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for this uh, job. Oh, yes. Bless us. Keep us. Show us that this is the highest thing that can happen to us on earth. That God himself can come and employ us to become fishers of men. Thank you that Italy will be saved. All who come near us by chance, by good fortune, by divine guidance, they will be saved. We are becoming saviors of men. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone shouted amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, take out an offering. I feel like taking an offering quickly. And we are going for dinner. I believe dinner is at exactly 8 o'clock. And it's 8 o'clock now. Is that not so beautiful? Take out an offering. I feel that we should take an offering. I will make you to become. I will make you to become. I will make you to become. So, God, God has set aside my medical, whatever, whatever, hey, aside. I've given you a job. Yes. Higher than any other job. So winning. Yes. I've become a fisherman. Huh. Hallelujah. Are you taking out an offering? I hope you are not saying you will not give an offering. Huh? Who could that be? 
check from your neighbor? Could it be that you are not giving an offering? Huh. Lift it up and let me pray. Father, thank you for your blessing as we give this offering. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said amen.
vision to do your mission, yeah. Oh Lord, my will to do your will. Whoa. I'll preach your word, I'll build your church, and I'll do it again and again, my Jesus. Cause you gave your son, you gave your love, oh my, my. And you turned my life all around, you gave your life. You set me free So I serve you for the rest of my days oh, 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 Yes, you gave your son You gave your love, oh my, my And you turned my life all around You gave your life You set me free so I serve you for the rest of my days. together with our Savior Jesus hand in hand he and I let's cherish every moment Jesus gives to us mm -hmm. the time is passing by I often pray when I kneel down by my bedside I ask the Lord to help me to obey his calling oh, if I could just please the Lord I must cherish the love of God I must cherish the grace of God Cherish his mercies, cherish his blood, cherish the cross of Christ. I must cherish the chance I have, and I must cherish the call of God. And cherish the time I have to work. Cherish these times of grace The world is lost in darkness No one seeks for God But Jesus died to save the world So many lost and dying They never heard of Jesus Oh no Can I help to tell them Oh, 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 oh. I often pray when I kneel down 
by my bedside I asked the Lord to help me to obey his calling yeah if I could just please the Lord I must cherish the love of God I must cherish the grace of God and cherish his mercies cherish his blood cherish the cross of Christ I must cherish the chance I have I must cherish the call of God cherish the time I have to work cherish these times of You're calling to do the will of God Hand in hand you and the Lord Don't think that you can walk away From your original calling Oh no, your time is passing by So when you pray When you kneel down by your bedside please ask the Lord to help you to obey his calling if you could just believe the Lord you must cherish the love of God and you must cherish the grace of God cherish his Cherish his blood, cherish the cross of Christ. You must cherish the chance you have. You must cherish the call of God. Cherish the time that you have to work. Cherish these times of grace.
message from the Lord Jesus sent me to you Are you ready to listen? Do you want to hear it? I've got a message from the Lord Jesus sent me to you Are you ready to listen? Do you want to hear it? Did I make a mistake when I called you? Should I have chosen another person or anointed another one? And how many times will I give you dreams and visions and powerful convictions? Still you don't obey the reason why. I'm asking this question You take it so lightly You take me so lightly yeah. If I give my life for you Will you give your life for me? And if I die for you Will you die for me too? If I shed my blood for you oh, What will you do with it? Despise my blood, or will you treasure me? What is the point of showing so much love when I get so little feedback from the person I love so dearly? I wanna know if it all means nothing to you. What I am saying doesn't touch you. You don't care about my mission oh, The reason why I'm asking these questions You take it so lightly You take me so lightly yeah. If I give my heart to you oh, Will you give your heart to me? And if I die for you Will you die for me too? If I give my love for you, what will you do with it? Will you love me back? Whoa, will you treasure me? If I give my heart to you, is only begotten oh, whoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have new life and God commended his love toward us oh, and while we were yet sinners Jesus died on the cross for sinners the reason why I am quoting these scriptures it seems you've forgotten all about them. Oh, Jesus gave his life for you. Oh, will you give your life for him? Jesus died for you. Will you love him back? Jesus shed his blood, his precious blood. What will you do with it? Will you despise his blood? 
Seems like you never really loved me. The reason why I, I am speaking this way to Italians, you broke my heart and you took me for granted. Yeah. If I give my life for you, oh, will you give your life for me? And if I die for you, tell me, will you die for me too? If I shed my blood for you, what will you do with it? Will you despise my blood or will you treasure me? If I give my heart to you, saved you, he saved me, 
He saved us for all time But what about others? He saved you, He saved me But what are we doing for others? Do you believe in dreams? The Holy Spirit's dreams Thousands of men Running down the street They didn't know That the road was leading To a steep and deadly cliff And down into the fire He saved you, He saved me He saved us for all time What about others? He saved you and He saved me Yeah. What are we doing for others? Multitudes, multitudes, multitudes are waiting in the valley of decision. Oh, yeah, they are waiting, they're hoping to hear the gospel. They don't know Jesus Christ, they are lost and dying so. He saved you, He saved me, oh yeah, He saved us for all time, but what about others, oh, oh, oh. He saved you and He saved me, but what are we doing for others? Why do we sit and wait While millions in Italy go to hell Their blood is on our hands It is time to preach the word Oh yeah The gospel of Jesus In its pure and simple form Is what is missing now In the church What are we preaching? He saved me Yes he did He saved us for all time But what about others whoa, whoa. He saved you He saved me What are we doing For others We are the salt of the world And the light of the world really shining, shining like we should. We are the salt of the world. We are the light of the world. Are we really shining as the light of the world? He saved
saved us for all time. But what about, what about, what about us? Yeah, He saved you, He saved me. Oh, what are we doing? What are we doing for others? Tell me, what are we doing? 